Thank you just for the word that you want to bring through him, Lord. And uh, I just, even us as, as the congregation, we, we respond this morning and just say, Lord, we are listening to what you want to say. We are open to hearing to what you want to say, Lord. We are willing to, to change and we are willing to, to adjust to what you want to say this morning, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Sure, I have such just a sense of expectation for what God is already doing here this morning and what he wants to continue doing, I think, in, in all of our hearts this morning. Just a sense that this time is it's one of those times that if we, if we just press into the Lord and grab a hold of what he's, he's speaking and what the Spirit wants to do, that can just radically change the the trajectory of the rest of our lives. I know we have some, some visitors here. My name is Pete. Um, I'm one of the elders here in this congregation. You, you may notice very quickly I don't speak like most people in Wellington. Um, that would be my American accent that I brought with me about two and a half years ago when I felt the Lord calling me to, to come here to South Africa to serve him. Yeah. So go ahead, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to, to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to spend a lot of time today in Matthew chapter 10. If you've been with us during the last two weeks, Mike has done an amazing job teaching out of Matthew chapter 6, which is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, specifically when it revolves around money and worldly possessions. And so we as a church now are, are teaching about money. Why? Because Jesus taught about money. And as we see in, in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, one of our roles as, as elders, as shepherds, as pastors, as preachers, is to equip you as disciples of Christ to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And that word obey is so critical because we don't want you just to know it intellectually. We don't want you just to hear it on a Sunday. We want you to obey it because Jesus wants you to obey it. So we're going to continue this week speaking about the topic of Monday. And when Mike asked me to, to preach this week, as I prayed, as I asked the Lord, Lord, what, what do you want to speak to us as your church this morning? I felt the Lord highlight this passage in Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to start off in verse 32, and we'll put it on the screen for you as well. Starting in verse 32, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples as he's about to send them out. And he begins here, he says in verse 32, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. 
And first of all, when I, when I read this verse, this, this is absolutely incredible. That when we acknowledge Jesus before others, when we share the gospel, when we share the reason for our hope and our joy in such a, a dark world, when we do this, when we share Jesus with others, he is acknowledging us before the Father in heaven. I mean, it's one of those things that's just, we, we could take the rest of the meeting and just meditate on that and just be in awe and wonder at that fact, just how incredible that is. But I think what's amazing even beyond that is he tells the disciples this, and maybe we can, we can look at our lives and say, are we acknowledging Jesus before others in our lives? But I want to look at what he also told the disciples before he said that to them. Because as he was sending them out, he kind of gave them a heads up on what was coming. And he told them things like this. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Would we be so keen to, to go and acknowledge Jesus before others if we knew that we were going to be sheep among wolves? And then Jesus continued. He said, you will be flogged in the synagogues. I mean, if you knew that you would be flogged when you walked into this church building today, would you still come? And Jesus continued, he said, you will be hated by everyone because of me. Would you still acknowledge him before others if you knew that everyone would hate you as you did it? And he continued, he said, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. And again, if you knew you were literally going to be persecuted in the place that you were going to go to, would you still go? But then Jesus gave them perspective. Perspective is always helpful. And in verse 28, he said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And it's all about perspective. What's worse, being flogged, being hated, being persecuted? Or having your soul and body being destroyed in hell? So with that context in mind, Jesus tells them, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But then he continues. He gives the, uh, the other choice. He says in verse 33, But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And we see this, this line drawn between two choices. You're either one or the other. You're either someone who is acknowledging Jesus before others, in which case he's acknowledging you before his Father in heaven, or you're one who's disowning Jesus before others. And we see that if you're that person, Jesus will disown you before his Father in heaven. In church, we must examine ourselves in light of this passage this morning, examine our hearts, examine our lives, and ask, which person are you? Which person are you? And Jesus continues in verse 34. 
And he tells them, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Church, this is so crucial to see in the world that we live in today. I look at my home country, America, and I see so much hatred right now, and certainly here in South Africa as well. And there's, there's a movement towards what people call justice. This concept and idea that the governments, the worldly power systems, and the structures of the world, they need to be reworked in order to bring justice and peace. Then we'll have justice and peace. And we see churches and Christians supporting this worldly movement for justice as well. But the problem is it's justice defined by the world, not defined by the Bible, not defined by Jesus. Jesus makes it very clear here. He didn't come to bring peace to this world. He came to bring a sword. Because the world is so radically different than the kingdom of God. That literally within the biological family, mother, daughter, son, father, if one person's living according to the kingdom of God, according to the Bible, according to Jesus' ways, and the other person's living according to the world's, it'll be so different that they'll be pitted against each other. The world and the kingdom of God cannot exist together in peace. And we have the book of Revelation. We know how this story ends. Judgment will come to those who do not acknowledge him. And when you die or when Christ returns, if he comes back before that point, you will either spend the rest of eternity in an unspeakably glorious place with him or you'll spend eternity in an unspeakably horrible place called hell. And we have to be so careful and aware of the stark difference between the ways of the world and today's culture, what the world says about how we should live, how we should think, how we should act, because it is so different than the ways of God. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about a, a course, a current to this world, the way that the world will take you if you let it. Starting in verse 1, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. We must realize that there is a a course, a current to the ways of this world, to today's culture, and it's not drawing you closer to the Lord. It's drawing you away from God, away from his kingdom, and away from his righteousness. Culture and the ways of the world are constantly desiring to influence and change the way that we think and the way that we act. And therefore, we have to examine ourselves and see, have we unknowingly 
fallen into a way of thinking and a way of living that's actually following the ways of this world. Today's culture, rather than the kingdom of God, rather than what the word of God teaches us, is truth. And one of the areas that the world is seeking to influence us in is the area of financial debt. See, the world will, will dangle it in front of our eyes. They'll flaunt it. They'll, they'll, they'll put the offers of, of loans and credit cards and all the things that we could acquire in this world in front of us. And in the world's eyes, debt is, is normal. It's accepted. In fact, a lot of times it's actually encouraged by the world. I was telling Mike the other day, in, in America, there's, there's rarely a day where I walk to my mailbox and open it up where there isn't an, an envelope with a, another offer for a credit card or a loan. Congratulations, you've been pre-approved. And the world will tell you how critical it is that you, that you actually have debt. Because this way, you'll have credit worthiness. You'll have a credit rating, which of course you need so you can then go into more debt and have more things. This is the world's thinking. This is what they, they brainwash us with, what they tell us, what they put in front of us day after day after day to the point that it just becomes the normal. It's all we see. It's all we know. In America, they have the, the American dream. And of course, you want to own a home because owning a home is an essential part of the American dream. It signifies that you've made it. This is how the world defines significance and worth. This is what the world tells us is important. This morning, I want us to take a step back from the programming that the world is, is doing in our minds when it comes to debt, when it comes to acquiring worldly possessions, worldly treasures. Take a step back from that and actually seek to find God's heart on this subject together and examine it in light of Scripture. And you may ask the question, is it a sin to be in financial debt? It's a great question because if it was a sin, certainly we do not want to do it. We don't want to just follow the ways of the world and what the world tells us is okay. As Christians, we're called to live our lives by a different standard. It's God's standard in every area of our lives, including finances. And like Henry said, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday. So let's take a look at and consider some scriptures around debt together. And the first scripture I want to look at is Romans 13, verse 8. And here it says, owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And you may read the, the, the beginning of that verse where it says, owe no one anything, and you may say, well, that settles it. Like, we, we shouldn't be in debt where you owe someone money because you're violating this verse. It must be a sin. However, we should look at context. We don't just want to look at one verse. And in the verse just prior to verse 8, Paul speaks about paying what you owe. 
that if you owe taxes, you should pay your taxes. If you owe revenue, you should pay your revenue. If you owe respect, you should pay respect. If you owe honor, you should pay honor. And we certainly should pay love. So the concept isn't that debt is a sin. The NIV actually translates it probably in a better way for us to actually understand. It says, let no debt remain outstanding. That if you have gone into debt, if you have taken on debt, you're called to repay it. Psalm 37, verse 21 also highlights this. It says, the wicked person borrows and does not repay. But the righteous one is gracious in giving. So if you have borrowed money or you do go ahead and borrow money and go into debt, you're called to repay that and to pay it back. And I just want to share a story from, from my life around this area. Uh, before I knew the Lord, I had a, a very high-paying job. And I also spent money as fast as I made it. I enjoyed all of the world. I enjoyed the worldly possessions, the entertainment, the treasures. I valued all of those things. I lived my life like we saw in Ephesians, just gratifying the cravings of my flesh. And then one day, I lost my job. But I was still pretty arrogant and prideful. I thought I was pretty smart, so I knew I would, ah, I'll just find another job. So now the money stopped coming in, but the spending continued at the same rate as when I had money. And before I knew it, I still didn't have a job, and I was 50,000 U.S. dollars in debt. Credit cards completely maxed out, no money to even pay the minimum payments. Well, then the phone calls started coming, creditors calling, looking for their money, and it was their money. They, they, they were entitled to get it back from me. I didn't have it. So the phone calls started coming, knocks on the door started coming. And I began to basically hide. I stopped answering my phone if I didn't recognize the phone number, wouldn't answer my door, and just had this, this weight on me, this absolute weight on my shoulders, feeling the shame of the stupidity of my decisions, feeling the shame of not being able to make right what I had done. And it continued for years to the point that my creditors, the credit card companies, they, they just gave up on me. They're like, this, this guy's never going to pay us back. They stopped calling. They stopped writing letters. They stopped knocking. And I just accepted the fact that I'm just going to have to live my life without that thing called a credit score. I won't be able to get credit. I'll just, I'll just live by cash the rest of my life. Oh, well. During this time, I, I had actually <laughs> become saved. But I'd never heard a teaching like this up to that point. I didn't, there was a part of me that felt the shame. I knew, I knew, I knew in my conscience that I should make this right, but I didn't, I didn't know the Lord's heart was for me to make this right. But God is so good. His, his spirit, if we really are his children, his spirit within us will move us to follow his commands, to be careful to obey his laws, and to walk in his ways. And that's such a beautiful thing. As a child of God, that is such a beautiful encouragement to know that the Spirit of God is doing that within us. So I had a, an encounter with the Spirit one day. We were on a retreat for our ministry school. I was a student, and there was about 50 people in the room. 
And at one point, the, the teacher who was leading said, I'm just going to create a space for the, if the Holy Spirit wants to do something here, we're just going to wait and see what he wants to do. And one woman starts, she raised her hands, she starts confessing something she'd never confessed before in bronze to the light. She had had two abortions in her life. And she was broken over as she felt the shame, and she finally felt that she needed to confess this and bring it into the light. As she's sharing, out of nowhere, I'm just sitting here, and whoop, the Lord just reminds me of this debt that I had just pushed so far out of my mind, just tried to forget about it, didn't even acknowledge it, hadn't thought about it in years. And out of nowhere, I feel like God tells me I need to share this with this group. And the level of shame I felt, you might, you might think, oh, well, it's just debt, no big deal. The level of shame that I felt was probably similar to as if I had killed someone. That's how much shame that I had hiding this in my heart. So it wasn't easy to, to bring this into the light. And to, to top it off, sitting next to me was my fiancé, now wife, Sue Marie, and I had never told her. So now I'm in a room with 50 other people. My fiancé I'm supposed to marry in four months, and God's telling me, you need to confess this in front of this entire group right now and share it. If my heart wasn't going like this to the point that I thought God may give me a heart attack if I don't share, I don't know if I would, but by his grace, he gave me the strength to share. And what happened after that was just incredibly beautiful. First of all, the, the people that were around me, they began to, to call out the lies and how I had taken on this identity in the debt. They began to encourage me. They began to speak truth over me. They prayed for me. And then my fiance. Just amazing. She just comes to me after, and all she could say is, why didn't you just tell me earlier? We could have started paying it off earlier. And she just tucked in behind me to support me in every way, shape, and form. And there was a measure of freedom that I had after I did that. I didn't even know I was lacking, but God knew. God knew that thing needed to be made right in my life. And by his grace, he, he brought me to a place of bringing in the light. And then by his grace, we paid the entire thing off. We stand here today. We have no debt to our name. And we're so, so grateful for what he did. And some of you, you may be in a similar situation today where decisions you've made have brought you to a place where, similar to me, you may feel overwhelmed by the debt that you're facing. You may be tempted like I was to do Nothing about it because you think it won't make a difference anyway. But God. What can God do in your situation? And I think an even more in question is what is God asking you to do in this moment? What does obedience and faithfulness look like for you in this moment? In his eyes. What is he asking you to do? He may be asking you to do something similar to what I did, and confess it. Bring it into the light. Confess it to a brother or sister. Have them pray for you. Maybe asking you to make sacrifices and adjustments in your, in your finances to, to start at least faithfully making some form of repayment. But what is that step of obedience for you? Ask the Lord. It may be coming to that financial class that we're doing where we will be talking about eliminating debt in May. But I want to encourage you, take that next step of obedience that God is putting on your heart. 
And so we, we see the Bible doesn't explicitly say that debt is a sin. But is it wise to go into debt? Just because something isn't sinful doesn't mean it's wise or what God wants us to do in the moment. So we have to realize that. In Proverbs 22, verse 7, we read that the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And I remember when I was in, when I was in debt personally, I felt enslaved to those lenders. Mentally, emotionally, financially. My wife, Sue Marie, was, was going to be here today and, and share her testimony. Uh, I have a four-year-old baby girl who woke up coughing like a seal, um, which could sound cute, except it was one of those coughs I think they call croup. Um, so she's not feeling well. So my, my girl stayed home today, but I want to share just a story from my wife's life around this and talking about the idea of the, the borrower being a slave to the lender. See, my wife's father was a doctor, and his business hit a place where he ended up incurring a lot of debt, and he reached a place where he felt like he was being buried and drowning in debt. And from that place, he tried multiple times to take his life. That's how much it overwhelmed him. He couldn't handle it. He attempted to take his life. So my wife, like any daughter would, wanted to do whatever she could to help him. And she thought in her mind that man, she could take out a loan and, and pay this debt off for him and just take this weight off her dad's shoulders and then everything will be okay. And her thought process was, well, if, if God doesn't want me to, to take out this loan, then he, he won't let it go through. Now, mind you, she had perfect credit, high-paying job, so there's, there's no way the loan wouldn't be approved. So she took out a five-year loan. She paid off her dad's debt. And then her dad still committed suicide. And then she was left with this debt continuing to have the burden of the debt now on her shoulders, continuing to have the reminder of why she took the debt out in the first place, reminding of her father who had committed suicide. And she cried out to, to God, God, why? Why a lot of things, but why, why, why allow me to pay off this debt when it, it didn't make a difference? And, and God reminded her of a, a scripture in Proverbs. Just do not be the one who shakes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. And God told her that he would never ask her to, to give away something that he hadn't already given to her. So she repented. She said, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. And God's grace came in and actually... Her, her father was bankrupt, but somehow, out of all the claims that came into his estate, hers got paid out, and she, she was actually given all of the money back. About 140,000 rand, I think. And she felt like, well, first of all, thank you, Lord, for this gift. I'm going to save that now for my future wedding. 
we, we hadn't met yet, but she said she's going to save this money for a future wedding. And then a year later, she feels God tell her to give it away. We read that verse earlier about the wicked person who borrows and doesn't repay, but the righteous person who's generous in giving. And she felt the Lord say, that money right there that you now have, that I've given you, I want you to give it away to help someone else. She said, God, that's my, that's my wedding fund. <laughs> but she knew God was asking her to give it away, so she gave it all away. And then she met me. And about a year went by between the time we met and us, us getting married, and the Lord provided every single dollar of our wedding, and we paid it in cash. And God was faithful. And he is faithful. And so you may ask, should you go into debt then? And if you came to me about a specific situation asking me, should I, Pete, should I go into debt um, I'd, I have a few questions for you. One question I would have for you is, what is the reason that you're considering going into debt? You know, are you looking to, to acquire and store up worldly possessions and treasures in this world rather than treasures in heaven like we spoke about two weeks ago? Another question I might ask is, are you content with where the Lord currently has you? In 1 Timothy 6, we, we read that godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Are you content with where the Lord has sovereignly positioned you in this season of your life? Is He enough for you? Is He the fullness of your joy rather than the things of this world. And I'd also probably ask you, have you spoken to church leaders in your life to seek godly counsel, others that can help you discern God's will in the matter? Because our own hearts, oh, they can deceive us. They can deceive us. But I think most importantly, I would ask you, have you brought the decision before the Lord in prayer with a completely surrendered heart? With that posture of, Lord, not my will be done. Your will be done. See, there's one person that's given us such a gift that we are to be forever indebted to him, forever a slave to him. And that's the Lord himself. I want us to, to go back to Matthew 10 and, and finish the passage that we started. Ingrid, if you could come up so long. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Many of you know our daughter, Ariel. God calls me to love my daughter. 
I can't imagine not loving her. And then when I also read passages about parenting like Ephesians chapter 6, I realize God also calls me to, to bring her up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So what happens when Ariel doesn't agree with the Lord's ways and wants to do something her way? Well, now I have a a choice. I have a decision to make. Who do I love more? Because if I love my daughter more than the Lord, I will give her her way to make her happy, even if it's against his ways. I must love the Lord more than my daughter and then love her the way that he calls me to love her by his standards. And the thing is, these choices, they're all around us every day. That if we really seek the Lord's heart, if we're immersing ourselves in Scripture and his commandments, we'll realize that we're constantly facing choices to make about whether we choose to live according to the ways of the world or choose to live according to his word and his kingdom because they will be in conflict. And the choices we actually make, the way we actually live our lives, that reveals our true love. And if it's not him, if we don't love him more than everyone else and everything else in this world, Jesus makes it clear, we are not worthy of him. He continues in verse 38. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And when he spoke these words, when people thought of a cross, they didn't think of of fancy jewelry. They thought of a large, heavy piece of wood that was an instrument of death. A.W. Tozer said, you knew one thing about a man that was carrying a cross out of the city. You knew he wasn't coming back. If someone took up a cross and began to walk with it, they were on their way to die. Church, we're called. Jesus calls each and every one of us to take up our cross and die to the ways of this world. To walk forward without looking back and to follow him. To follow the way that he lived his life. To follow the commands he has given us for how we should live our lives. Another pastor, Leonard Ravenhill, said, There's no true conversion until a man takes up his cross. And he spoke this in church one day, and he had someone from his congregation come and, and chase him down afterwards because he'd said that a Christian must renounce his sin, he must repent, and he must take up his cross. And the man said, you, you mustn't tell this to young people. 
because you'll frighten them. And Leonard Ravenhill said to this man, he said, you must tell that to the Lord then, not to me. Because that's what the word of God says. It says you must take up your cross and follow me. We must examine our hearts and say, have we taken up our cross? Have we died to the ways of this world? Died to the life we once lived? Are we now following Jesus in every way? And the last verse I want to look at together. Jesus says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And again, we see, we see two sides. And you're, you're either on one or you're either on the other. You're either trying to, to what he says, find your life. You're trying to, to live your best life now on here on earth by the world's standards, by the world with the world's ways, gratifying all of the desires and cravings of your flesh. And if you're trying to find your life now in that way, you will lose it eternally. So you're either on this side or you're on this side where you're, you've made the decision to lose your life for his sake, to live your life his way, the glory of his name. And if you do that, then you will find eternal life with him in heaven. And even to a measure, this is the beauty of it, to a measure here on earth now with his Holy Spirit with you here on earth. The kingdom is breaking into the earth. The church is either one or the other. And as we sum up this passage, we see what Christ views a Christian, the way a Christian should look. And we have to, if we sit here and we truly call ourselves a Christian, a disciple of Christ, we have to ask ourselves the question, which side are we on? Do we acknowledge him before others? Do we love him more than everyone and everything else? Have we taken up our cross, died to the ways of this world, and chosen to follow his ways? And have we lost our life for his name and for his sake? Because if we have, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I don't know how. I don't know how, but somehow in that place, we're worthy of him. We're worthy of the creator of the universe worthy of God himself. We're worthy of the Son of God who, who left the throne to come to earth to put on flesh to die a horrible death on our behalf. To pay a price that we couldn't pay. To give us this chance to be reconciled to God. To acknowledge us before his Father in heaven. Oh, Folks share the story of the ladies that came to the tomb and how they just, they walked away with, with fear and joy. Oh, unspeakable joy. When they saw their Lord, they fell at his feet. The beauty of it, the joy of it, it's incredible. A grace, 
that we'll never fully understand this side of heaven, a love that we'll never fully understand this side of heaven. And just in awe and wonder of him. I feel like the Lord is wanting to restore this awe and wonder of him. As we behold him, as we behold who he is, as we behold what he's done, as we behold who we are in him, that we fall fresh to our knees before his feet in fear, filled with joy, filled with love, overwhelmed. bow our heads before the Lord now. Bow your heart before him. Sit right now with an awareness of his presence. The Lord desires for us to be this person. Be this person that has accepted this gift from him by faith. This gift that radically transforms our lives here on earth and everything that we knew prior to encountering him. But he also makes it very clear. There's two sides. And either you choose the side where he says, then you'll be worthy of me. Or you choose the other side. He gives you this choice. But realize, if you choose the other side, you are not worthy of him. He will disown you before his Father in heaven, and there will be eternal consequences. Church, the choice lies in front of you this morning. God is so gracious so loving. There will be a day that he will return. He is returning soon. But he's given us this space now, before that happens, to choose. To choose whether we will, by faith, Believe in him. Believe in a way that our lives will never be the same again. And that choice is before each and every one of us this morning. And you may have made that choice previously. And this may just be an encouragement 
It may have brought you back to just beholding his face with a new sense of awe and wonder and joy. But you may be here right now realizing that you haven't made that choice yet. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you're here. I think it's God's grace and love that on this day, in this time, he brought you here this morning. With the loving arms of a father, open. Saying, will you accept my love? Will you accept this gift I've put in front of you? Will you choose to live your life this way? Some of you, you may have been in church before in your lives. You may feel like God is, is opening your eyes for the first time to what he really is asking to be his child. And if you're in that place this morning, I want, I want you to respond. Respond first and foremost in your heart. But I also want to, to pray for you. Because I remember that time where, where the Lord encountered me and began to reveal himself to me. I knew I had to respond. I was so aware of how wrong I was with the way I'd lived my life previously and so aware of him, so aware of his love, and so aware that everything had to change. And I didn't know what would happen after that moment, but I knew I had to respond. And... I want to give everyone here that opportunity to respond. And if that's you this morning, if you know you're that person this morning where you have to, you have to make a choice to accept this invitation from the Lord to respond to him, to respond to his love, to respond to who he is, I want you to raise your hand right now before the Lord, but also before me so I can, I can see you, I can pray for you. We as a church, we're called to, to live this life together, to come alongside you, to encourage you, to help you, to teach you his word. So if that's you this morning, if you know that God is calling you to, to make this choice this morning, I want you to raise your hand right now so I can see it. That's you. Raise your hand so I can see it this morning. I don't want you to miss this moment. I'm going to sit a little bit longer with the Lord here. I encourage you already made that choice and you're certain because the Lord gives us an assurance. He gives us his Holy Spirit as a deposit that guarantees our inheritance. If you're sure, I want you to be praying right now for each and every person in this room. 
there anyone here that, that, that knows that they need to acknowledge God today in a way they never have before? Raise your hand if that's you. Respond in worship. The Lord always deserves our worship. It looks many different ways. I want us to respond in worship. I want us to respond from that place of revelation this morning of who He is. Lord, before we do that, I just I want to acknowledge you as Lord. I want to acknowledge you as Lord, the God of the universe, who created us, designed us in your image. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you for the gift you've given us of your son coming here to earth, dying on the cross for our sins. I want to praise you and rejoice you raising him from the dead, taking him up to heaven. Oh, Lord, to intercede for us, to acknowledge us before you. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that you've given us, each and every one of us who's, who's by faith chosen to believe on you, Lord. Thank you for the Spirit of God that, oh, that's our, that's our guarantee of our inheritance, Lord. That moves us to, to follow your ways, to, to be able to live a life that's glorifying to you. Oh, we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, I pray for each person here, Lord, that they walk out of here with a fresh revelation of you, a fresh encounter of you, a fresh sense of awe and wonder, Lord. That you fill them fresh with your Holy Spirit today, Lord. That you embolden us to share you, Lord, with the people around us, to preach the gospel, to lay down our lives for your name and for your sake, Lord. Oh, church, let's worship the Lord from that place. Jesus, lover of my soul, Consuming fire is in your gaze, and Jesus, I want you to know I will follow you all of my days, for no one else in history is like. History itself belongs to you. Alpha and Omega, you have loved me. And I will spend eternity with you. It's all about you. 
for you for your glory and your fame it's not about me as if you would do things my way you alone are God and I surrender to beautiful place they want to get to they start running and it catches and sometimes they just try and ignore it um, and it's, it's getting sore it feels heavy and they just don't know how to break free from this um, and they've actually started to blame God for this chain saying God you doing this you're holding me back you're hurting me um, and I feel like he's he's drawing you to say to, to see that it's not him I feel like he wants whoever it is I feel like he wants you to just humble your heart before him and, and cry out to him because he has the key and he wants to help you um, but I feel like maybe there's just some, so much disappointment that's just uh, tied in this chain and he wants to set you free from this um, but I feel like he wants you to be bold and to be humble and cry out to him because he will set you free but just persist in prayer I just feel like he wants you to, to persist in prayer for that just um, we are going to land um, but love to respond because you know this the topic that I think Peter shared on obviously and what we are why we've been doing this series over the last three weeks is really to um, is because we are his people right and he is our God um, we the people of God and so as the people of God as Peter shared this morning we we in the kingdom of God and our relationship to money to possessions is different from the world because we his people and he is our God and um, and we're his covenant people and so I think it's such important reminders, and I feel like if there are any that you, if you're honest, you feel like there's a chain around your neck, be honest, be honest with yourself, be honest before the Lord, and you know, sometimes I've experienced that when the, I've had that in my life, I've had to get others to pray for me, because 
that's the way God works. And is there anyone this morning, we are, we are going to close. I know we, some of you need to get going and whatnot, but, but we also don't want to miss the moment that the Lord is, is saying. And is there anyone this morning that, be honest, you're honest, like you feel like, man, you take two steps forward or one, and then you keep going back. And there's something that's holding you back from breaking free in the Lord. It's always something. And it might be debt. It might be a, a choice you've made that's pulling you down. And God wants to set you free this morning of that. And, and is there anyone? And I want you to raise your hand so we can just see who you are and pray for you. Who are you? Thank you. Thank you. Just keep your hand up. Keep your hand up nice and high. And um, just keep it up high. Keep your hand up. What I want us to do is for the rest of you, I want the rest of us just to look around and stretch out your hands to those individuals. And we're going to pray for you. Um, we're going to pray for you now. And we're going to stand and agree with you. Um, Chloe, do you want to come and pray? Just You brought that word. It's felt like it would be helpful. Chloe's going to pray, and I want us with faith to pray for those folk. You know, we've all been there, right? Um, but we are the people of God, and God together wants to set us free. He wants us to walk in that. And let's stretch out your hands. If you need prayer, hold it up nice and high. Get it up nice and high. And we're going to agree together and ask the Lord that even from today, there'd be something. And I want to ask you to share it with someone. Go after this. Go to your community leader. Go to one of us and say, I, I want to find breakthrough. I don't want to accept this place that I've been in for so long. No, it has to stop today. So let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you speak to us, God. I thank you that you fight for us, Lord. I thank you that you don't leave us in our battles alone, Father. Lord, I want to pray for every single person that raised their hand, Lord, with a boldness to say, that's me, I'm struggling, God. For those that are crying out to help, Lord. Father, I pray that just right in this moment, you'll just give them such comfort, such peace, Lord. I pray for breakthrough, Lord. I pray for humble hearts before the King of Kings, Lord. And I pray that these chains will just fall away and disappear, God. Where they've left a wound, Lord, I pray for healing. I pray that instead of heaviness, they'll leave with a garment of praise, Lord. And Father, I come against disappointments. I come against just constant reminders of what's gone wrong. Father, I pray for contentment. I pray that they'll worship you, Lord. I pray for thanksgiving in their hearts, Lord. Father, I pray just for a shift in their hearts, a shift in their eyes, God. And even in this moment, Lord, you'll come and do that work by your Spirit. Not in their own strength, God, because you are the one who gives us the victory. Father, we trust you, Lord. We trust you for every chain to break, Lord, and just disappear, Lord. We trust you for your children to run free for you, Lord, to run and serve you, Lord, to, to have fear and great joy, Lord, because you freed them, Father. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So... As we go, I, please, you know, we, we walk life together, don't we? I have blind spots, and I need, I sometimes don't always know how to find the breakthrough. I, I know the Lord is working. It's like, ah, but how does it actually work? And that's where we've got one another. Thank God for family. 